For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toonami app now from the App Store and Google Play. You should have seen us gunning Passing the folks along the road Just as they were standing All the lads and lasses there All the smiling faces Gunning along the Scotswood Road To see the bleeding races We went to bleeding races Twas on the 9th of June 1862 on a summer's afternoon We took the bus from Bambras And she was heavy laden Where we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Whoa, me lads You should have seen us gunning Hello and welcome to CHN Radio episode 157 I'm your host Greg Troxell Coming with you hot It's not actually hot But in Las Vegas uh, and it's this is the city that never sleeps, and what happens here stays here, and I'm what happens here. So here I am. Um, and we're here to talk a lot about Newcastle United because there's news, and it's a lot of it's not good. Like, I hope everybody's okay out there, but uh, we'll bring in the best damn coast in the land because we could never do a pod without him. And uh, that's Eliza Newsom. How are we doing? Um, you know, you already know what's going on. You already know, squad stuff. Same old, same old. Honestly, I'm excited. Um, people can't see this, but uh, the braids are gone. I know people want a visual representation of what I look like every podcast, but the braids have been gone. Not the braids. The braids have been gone for a little bit, and now we're uh, we're rocking the natural hair. The curls are out here popping. Today we've got it in the poof. I wouldn't say it's a man bun because I didn't do anything to actually make it a bun. It's just a poof. But so if you want a visual representation of what I look like, that's what I look like right now. And we're looking nice. We looking nice. We looking nice with it. So I'm uh, excited to be here. And you can follow your boy on Twitter at Elijah underscore Newsome. We can get a little preview of what the man bun looks like. Wait, I meant to say poof. What the poof looks like. Man bun. Yeah. Uh, follow me, too, if you want. Uh, at NEOC underscore Greg. I hope that most – oh, shout out to uh... – the yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo who sent us a dm of us showing up on his spotify year in review shout out oh i we showed up on mine as well oh and shout out to elijah underscore newsome as we appeared on that one too so um i hope we appeared on many others and i hope you all keep listening thank you so much for that um, so we'll get into it because we were expecting to preview a match of Newcastle traveling to Aston Villa, uh, for, for a big six pointer. And guess what? COVID hit. And this oh. is, this was kind of so, well, it wasn't surprising the fact that like we heard about some COVID, uh, issues before, but it, it, uh, it's really affected the club. I mean, it's the reports have shown that there's been, about 10 players have tested positive. So it's, it's, uh, it's really rampant right now. So I'll, I'll read a little bit about it. Um, they have postponed the match. So the Premier League confirmed it on Tuesday afternoon that the Friday match, uh, Aston Villa home against Newcastle was postponed. Um, and 
the the Premier League said here here's a statement. It says Newcastle lodged a request with the Premier League to rearrange the game following a significant increase in COVID nineteen cases at the club, which resulted in public health Public Health England Northeast advising that their training facilities remain closed. The Premier League board agreed as a consequence that the club are unable to train and adequately and safely prepare for their match on Friday. The decision has been taken in consultation with Newcastle and Aston Villa and following extensive consultation with PHE, the Premier League medical advisors, with the health of players and staff, the priority. Newcastle correctly notified PHE regarding a number of positive COVID-19 test results, which is standard practice under government and Premier League guidelines. Um, so essentially they said they went on. It's a it's a pretty long statement, but they went on to say that all players and training ground staff will be retested this week. And another meeting between the club, PHE and the Premier League will take place to assess those results. Um so as it stands, Newcastle's next match will be home against West Brom on December the 12th. And still, that's still up in the air, too. It just depends on the outcome of these test results and, and how fast players recover from them. And, if, and we don't even know if there's um, symptoms that the players are receiving. The last um, two more things, Elijah, and I'll have you chime in. Uh, the possible new dates for the Villa match. Uh, would be uh, it, it would be only if like we oh, like we were eliminated from the FA Cup uh, so it would be uh, if we lose to Arsenal which we'll get to uh, it will be January the 23rd uh, both Villa and Newcastle are free then and the last thing is the mail newspaper paper said uh, club sources suspect the virus entered their bubble first via a staff member and then from a player returning from international duty. Not all players and staff are self-isolating, only those who have tested positive or have been close contacts. Elijah, break it down. Yeah, uh, it's, it's an interesting one for sure. Um, a, a lot of questions come up, but I think the first thing that has to be addressed is there's been a fair few Newcastle fans who were like very much like blaming the club for this and saying, you know, this is, this is an issue with the club, blah, blah, blah. And I get it. We hate Mike Ashley. We don't like how Steve Bruce handles injuries, but this outbreak has, has run rampant in every major sports league on every team, regardless of how good or bad uh, their COVID precautions are. It's a virus that's still, after a year of knowing about it, we still don't know a ton about. Uh, we know enough to have a vaccine, but still in terms of spread and things like that, this virus is insane. So I wouldn't put all this on the club, especially given the fact that the Premier League has not really made it, made themselves an environment uh, where COVID-19 could possibly not enter. Like it's not, the Premier League's not in a bubble. Like they're still letting the teams, like like letting every player go home and be about, their individual talents and such like there's no bubble. So like you can't really blame a club if an outbreak happens because there's no league wide mandate to prevent any of this from happening. Uh, so that's the first thing I want to say. Um, and like, again, it's happened everywhere. I mean, our American fans know the, the, the shenanigans that occurred with the Baltimore Ravens uh, this past week 
and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and before that, it was the Titans. Like, it, it happens in every league, even the NBA. The pride and joy of handling the pandemic. And today they released that they had 48 players test positive for COVID-19. It's a really, really, um, like, I wouldn't say potent, but, like, it's a disease that spreads quickly. Like, outbreaks are going to happen. Um, but on that note, though, um, it's it's interesting. Uh, I'm glad the Premier League has, has taken – their stand um, and they took the rights. They did the right thing. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't do the wrong, like Serie A is a perfect example of what you don't do where like essentially teams were forced to forfeit matches uh, because like Serie A would never, wouldn't move the matches. So it's definitely the right move by the premier league. Um, and, you know, you just hope everyone gets better. You hope it's not too serious um, where things get kind of tricky. is just like, you know, if 10, 10, 10 or so people is a lot, for a, a, a team that has what 25 ish players on the roster and a staff of probably about eight or nine people that are, so that's like a third of everyone involved uh that's that's not good um hopefully it that's it um but i i do i would worry about the west Brom match just a, a bit because i i mean you never know with people with this disease sometimes it takes them a couple days to get over it sometimes it takes them months to get over it yeah um, i mean it is it is rare but i and i speak from experience somebody that literally lives in my neighborhood uh it's they've been testing positive for covid for like a month and a half now uh and the nurses told them that it could it takes up to three months for some people to get out of their system that doesn't happen that's not normal it's rare but it could happen and that that could leave us i mean three months from now like you're getting close to the end of the season we could be without certain players in in a rare very rare worst case scenario situation and and the most important thing is just wishing that everybody's healthy and safe and hopefully there's no symptoms and hopefully their families are okay because this will spread out right if a player didn't know they were positive and they've been living with their spouses their kids their friends whatever the situation is there's way more people that are now affected because of it so definitely got to wish uh, that everybody's doing well and nothing is is more serious and hopefully it already is like that hopefully this is the minimum seriousness is that they just got a positive test and they're not feeling any symptoms and everything's going to end up okay that's the most important thing at this point but we just have to stay tuned and wait to hear what the club has to say and what directive is next but for now i i mean we just don't really know when our next game will be until until we hear more yeah one last thing real quick uh, you mentioned like how your neighbor has had it for like a, what, a month and a half. Yeah. Uh, and I want to preface this because this is a very common misconception and I don't want to take a double on Newcastle Twitter, but like Newcastle Twitter does not understand pandemics and I don't expect them to, um, especially this disease, but like they, a lot of people are under the assumption that like, there's like, like if you're a professional athlete, like you, you shouldn't be able to get this. It shouldn't be a big deal. And, like, you look at it, and a lot of the times that's true. Like, Cristiano Ronaldo, he had it. Uh, Wes McKinney, he had it as well. They both were back within a week, whatever. Cool. But there are it, – it's it's like this virus doesn't discriminate, man. Like, Bam Adebayo not, – not Bam. Um, Mo Bamba uh, of the Orlando Magic, he's a 22-year-old freak of, freak of nature. He's, like, seven feet tall, super athletic, incredibly healthy. He's had coronavirus. Like, he's had – COVID-19 since June. Yeah. So like 
it, it, I mean, we hope that players can recover, but it's not a guarantee. So I just want to just quickly remind, like, don't be shocked if, you know, say it's Isaac Hayden who has it and he's still not healthy three months down the road. You hope that's not the case, but just don't be shocked because it does happen and it has happened elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So we just hope everybody's safe and that, you know, best case scenario is everyone recovers from it. We were, we're playing on, uh, on the 12th against West Brom. And then we, we end up beating Arsenal and we don't make up that game till way later in the year. So um, that's the, that's the best case scenario for us. So hopefully, hopefully that, that's what happens. Uh, do you have, uh, and also actually this is important. So everyone listen up. Uh, Elijah wrote about this. Didn't you? Yeah. For, for the first time in months, I've graced coming home, newcastle.com with my presence. So yes. I'm going to try to get some stuff up, uh, some more stuff up. Uh, honestly, there's something that we'll talk about tonight that I will actually probably write about in the near future. So stay tuned, um, tap back into the site. Um, we love it when you guys engage on the site. So if you don't have an account already, make an account, comment on our articles, roast us, whatever. Because yeah. Greg be posting, I be posting. And that's it, actually. It's just yeah, us. So, uh, <laughs> Elliot. Elliot's okay. not – I haven't heard from Elliot in years. <laughs> um, also, you're going to get a, a new um, Top 20 Prospects update for December. It's the last one before the real rankings come out. The next rankings come out. So you'll get an update on how everybody in the top 20 is doing. Uh, Want to take a break? I guess that seems appropriate. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's take a break. We'll do it right. We'll be back. I promise. Right after this. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at ToonArmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, so this is the text your exes segment of Newcastle United. Um, We're going to talk about the ones that have gotten away because they are in the news. Um We'll start with the one that hasn't gotten away, the one that we're just in an open relationship with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's Yoshinari Muto. Um, I want to start with him and just give a, a quick congrats because he did score his first goal for Ibar. Um, and that was great for him to do. Uh, he, he's been mainly starting. He's been starting a lot of games for them. But he's also been um, coming off the bench too. But he, he's playing, and um, he they won two to nothing against Real Betis, and which is a good win. That was on Monday. Uh, he played seventy eight minutes and got his got his goal. So congrats to to Yoshinori Muto. Uh, that's fantastic to get off to a good, well, a somewhat decent, um, a, an expected start. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, yeah, that's not that surprising given, you know, not an insanely great goal scoring record in Newcastle, but showed flashes of promise. So it makes sense that he's on a subjectively lower team. I yeah. actually, I don't know how to use the words objectively and subjectively. I don't think I don't know if people have picked up on that. I just kind of feel I use whichever one feels right in the moment. Uh, I don't okay. actually know what either one of them mean, um, but. He uh he like like you said though he he wasn't starting at first at Ibar he was coming off the bench 
he's really recently gotten into like kind of playing first team football regularly. Uh, so, I mean, Hey, shout out to him. Uh, I mean, good goal, I guess. I didn't see the goal, but I'm assuming it's decent. I don't know. It, it probably went into the net. So that's a good sign. Yeah. You know, it's probably, I would, I would actually, you know it what I'm going to say? the white line. I'm going to say he probably scored a better goal than Joel Linton's goal. Maybe. I'm, now I'm looking this up. I mean, I, literally, the, the bars on the floor. Joel Linton was a deflected soft shot into the back of the net. So, like, I mean, like, as long as his goal wasn't deflected, it's a better goal than Joel Linton's goal. Yeah, well, it's extremely possible that uh, that, that is the case, that he gets a deflected goal. Uh, the Japan Times is definitely writing about it. Uh, they're excited. So I'm sure they are. Oh, my man. My man's. Uh, wow, there's no video here. So That's awkward. Yeah. There's a picture, and that doesn't help me much. But, yeah, I'm sure it was great. And congrats to him. <laughs> um the the next thing hey, I'm, okay. I, i've just found the highlights on on youtube so okay. we're good oh yeah yeah just walk us through it here all right um there's a penalty that went in all right that's cool oh okay I don't know why a number two is taken. Okay, so it's a set-piece corner kick. Muto leaps up in the air. Uh-huh. It's knotted down to him, and he just, wow. That is a pretty close, like, is this a better goal? Because it's essentially, you know, like, when you have a set-piece and, like, someone just throws their body at a, a ball that's in the box? That's exactly what Muto did. It was knotted down to him um, off a corner, and, like, there's no one in the area, and he just kind of jumps feet first and it hits off the side of his foot and goes in. So, like, it's not, like, a particularly good goal of skill, not anything, like, during the run of play. Worth noting that, like, Ibar, like, had a ton of chances this match. Like, the majority of the good, of the chances came to Ibar. But Real Batiste is struggling mightily right now in La Liga. They're trying to right the ship. So, it's a very bad loss for Batiste. Just- Muto won the penalty, though. He won a penalty, the what second a day. one, but that one was saved. So, what a day uh, for Yoshinori Muto. I love yeah. it. I don't know why they had a different guy take the penalty. They had Sergi something take the penalty, and it was he was not good. But, yeah, all right, so the, enough of that. Because so that, that was, is not really who we're talking about. Let, let's no. let's move on to the, the ones that people are excited about. Let's stay in Spain, though, because oh. this podcast is known for our love and adoration for the one – the only Real Madrid's Hasselu. Not only did he score once again against Real Madrid, but it was the winner, folks. It was the winner. And what a goal it was. Deportivo Alaves 2. Real Madrid 1. Hasselu with the goal. And to add to even add more to this, Florian Lejeune, La Liga Team of the Week. For Alaves, what's it, what's his thoughts on that one, Elijah? The greatest. I don't want to give. I don't want to give too much away about like everything. I'll talk about it in a second. But I mean, Hostel's scoring is not a surprise to this podcast. I mean, 
Like we we knew, and of course against Real Madrid, like we knew, we knew this was going to happen. Like not, I'm not surprised. I know Greg's not surprised. Yeah. I think maybe Newcastle Twitter might be surprised, but not us. We I know Hasselu. Can we can get bring. an update on his goals per minute at uh, Santiago Bernabeu? Because this was Man. this is at Real Madrid again. And he has like an, I remember I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I, I remember it was an insanely high like goals per minute at that at Bernabeu, and he just did it again. He just scored another goal there. <laughs> You're right, man. I wonder what it is. Yeah, I can't remember. It was like it used to be like the, it was the highest goals per minute of any player that's ever played there, and he just keeps adding to it. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah, that's, he's, he's a gem. That's crazy. It's it's four goals in fifty one minutes at Real Madrid before this this before most recent this. one. Oh my gosh! That's so incredible. that's insane. Yeah. So no one's going to touch that. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone will. I mean, <laughs> I'll have to see when, like, because I'm guessing he played the whole match, so it's like four goals and like. What nine? And, and he probably played that? last year too. There. Yeah, he played last check. year too. Yeah. So, I can't remember if he scored there or not. Uh, it doesn't matter because it's four goals in like uh, like what two hundred minutes. That's still insane. Yeah. Well, now it's five. So. Yeah, you're right. Five goals in two hundred <laughs> minutes. Insane. So that's that's Hasselu's update. Uh, Elijah, what's going down in the championship though? This is where the also real quick. Uh, okay. It was it was a penalty. Oh wait, no, no, no. No, no. Someone else took the penalty. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's it. all right. So, what'd you say? What's going on in the championship? Yeah, about players who who we let get away. Um. So, uh, a lot of a lot of fuss has been going around um, Newcastle Twitter because two former Newcastle players are um, currently um, like very high up in terms of uh, goal scorers. I okay? I'm going to double check this. But I know before the weekend, Adam Armstrong and Ivan Tony were both in like the top three of goals scored yeah. uh, in 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 the championship, and uh, both, of course, are former Newcastle players. Tony's at Brentford, and I guess Armstrong's at what Blackburn, Blackburn, maybe. I'm, yep. I'm... So, uh, and I definitely ninety percent sure both of them scored this past weekend because that's the whole reason this came up. Um, so yeah, double checking. Yes. Yep. Well, so, so they, so they both, uh, they both scored recently. So they both scored in their last matches, but also, uh, Armstrong scored like a last minute, last second, even goal to win. So it's, and, and the interesting, the, the, the even crazier. So this Saturday, and I, I think this is must watch if you're a Newcastle fan and we'll get into how I think, but I really do think this is a must watch and it's, it's, uh, Adam Armstrong's 23 years old, 14 goals and 14 matches in the championship. And he scored in each of his last three. And then Ivan Tony is 24. He has 13 goals in 15 games in the championship. And he scored each of his last three matches as well. And they play on Saturday against each other. And I think it's going to be pretty awesome to watch. No? Yes? No, I agree. Um, I would honestly say, like, especially given the fact that um, 
we don't have a match this weekend. This is actually probably the match of choice for many Newcastle fans. That's what, yeah, if, that's what I mean. If available. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And they're only two points off each other in the table. Both are top ten, but none are like uh, – I guess Brent, Brentford is in a playoff spot right now. Brentford uh, definitely is a team that could turn it up in the end. I, I honestly find it uh, like – I wouldn't say interesting – but I think it's cool that Brentford basically had an insane striker in Ollie Watkins that they were like, all right, well, he's been sold. And everyone's like, well, what are they going to do? And then Ivan Tony's just like, oh, <laughs> hold my beer. Like, yeah. trust me, I will produce the same that he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting. So, like, the question begs to differ is, should Newcastle have let those players go? What do you think? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I say yes. They should have let them go. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, I think – here's what I'll say. One, first and foremost, you got to remember we're a Premier League team. And the first thing you have to note, note about any of this is that, like, just because you're good in the championship does not mean you'll be good in the Premier League. And Newcastle fans should know this firsthand because Dwight Gale – like legitimately is probably if Dwight Gale spent his whole career in the championship, he would be without a doubt. One of the best championship strikers of all time. The guy literally was a walking 25 goals every season. He's in the championship. It did not matter if he was at Newcastle for the full season. If they Wait, loaned fact him, check, he never hit 25 goals. Okay. 23 okay. twice. <laughs> Again, like 20, he's a guaranteed 20 goal season player yeah. in the championship. Like, a hot commodity, I'm sure, in like every season, there's people in the championship who want to buy Dwight Gale, blah, blah, blah. But Dwight Gale in the Premier League, not the same story. And so that's that's point number one about this. Point number two is these players were not particularly great at Newcastle. Um, like, you look at Adam Armstrong. scoring. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you look at Adam Armstrong um, in his time at Newcastle, uh, obviously very – like well known in the England, like had a lot in the England youth system, whatever. That's that's cool. But when we sent him out on loan, he had decent loan spells at Coventry City and at Barnsley. But then when he made the champ, the, the jump to the championship, he scored one goal for Bolton Wanderers. Actually, they might have been in League One then. But I'm, I think they were in the championship. He scored one goal in twenty appearances, and then at Blackburn he had nine goals in twenty one appearances. None of that screams hey, let's keep this guy around at Newcastle. Like, none of that, it just it just doesn't. Ivan Tony, same thing. Uh, he had better numbers, but he was at worse clubs. He was at Skunkdorp, Peterborough. He was at Barnsley for a little bit. Did not do anything at Barnsley. He had, I think, he had two seasons at Barnsley. He had one goal. Shrewsbury Town, six goals. Skunkdorp, six goals. Wigan, four goals. Skunkdorp, again, eight goals. And then was at Peterborough, uh, the, the past couple seasons after he was, I think, released from Newcastle at that point. Um, yeah, he was released from Newcastle at that point. And he put up 40 goals, which is fine. But again, nothing that these players did at Newcastle warranted them getting an extension. In fact, most Newcastle fans were not upset that we let these players leave leave our, our system. Like, so I don't, you can't have it both ways. Like they clearly were not good at Newcastle. So like you cannot fault Newcastle for not investing in these players because they stunk. They were hot garbage. They were straight buns. They were nice booty. Like they were terrible 
at Newcastle. Um, so I don't know. I don't think it's a big deal. And I also the the final thing I'll make on this, Greg, and I know I've been a bit long winded. But the final thing I'll say is this, is would you rather have Ivan Tony and Adam Armstrong or would you rather have Kyle Wilson? That's all I have to say. Like, I mean, I get that they're doing well, but Callum Wilson is Newcastle's number nine right now. Yeah. Like not literally, but you know what I mean? Like, and he's killing it. He's on pace to have the best goal, goal scoring record since promotion at Newcastle. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, so I like, you think of like the, championship players that we can really relate to is I mean we mentioned Dwight Gale so he had 23 goals and 32 appearances and then uh, Alexander Mitrovic which who had 26 goals and 40 appearances so uh, like they're on a great pace right now and they're doing like they're doing really well and that should not be taken away from those players but like Dwight Gale and Alexander Mitrovic would not start for Newcastle United, uh, but they were prolific championship goal scorers. So there's still a lot to be proven. And like, don't get me wrong though. Like if Elliot Anderson was on loan in the championship and he scored 15 goals in 15 matches, I'd be bugging out right now. So like, I will admit my bias that like if they were Newcastle prospects and doing this well, I'd be going nuts. But now that they're not, I can see with a clear head and say like, okay, this is really good. I'm ha- I am happy that they're doing this well, but uh, we have to see it through the lens of like the Premier League is a long way up from the championship still. So, I mean, um, but I would also add to that, Elliot Armstrong is 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 significantly younger than both of these players. Like, yeah, Elliot Armstrong no, does I'm, that right now. Like, Anderson, you're like, Anderson. Oh, sorry, I don't know why I said Elliot Armstrong. I'm literally at Adam Armstrong's yeah. wiki, up and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, but if Elliot Anderson does that, like in our youth system, like you don't give up on a player until like 23, 24. And at that point, there's only a marginal improvement that that player will make. Like a player at 24, 25, that's the player you're going to get. Like it does not really. So I, I, I see what you're saying, but I also like, like you also, you get to a certain age and you're like, all right, this player is clearly not going to be a Premier League player. There's nothing wrong with that. And if they hit their peak later on, it's like, I don't know if you can really fault Newcastle at the time for moving on from them. Because like, if you look at their time specifically with Newcastle, neither one of them made a big enough impact. And by the way, they had opportunities. Um, Like they, like they made Adam Armstrong and Ivan Tony both made quite a bit of appearances on loan. And like, they were able to play in some cup matches and things like that. Like, they had their opportunities to prove themselves and keep them their names around. But, like, I'm, especially with Adam Armstrong, like, you can only – like, like I don't know. It just – at that point, it felt like the writing was on the wall for Adam Armstrong. Like, it literally felt when he – when Newcastle let him go that his ceiling was championship. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the vibe I was getting. That's the vibe we were saying on the pod. That's the vibe we were saying on the site was, like, he's got to be a very good championship striker. Cause he had those 10 goals and like 20 appearances for uh nine goals and 20 appearances, 20 ish appearances for uh Blackburn. It's like, Oh, this is probably his level. Um, so yeah, I don't know. All right. Yeah. I feel like we've said enough. We, everyone yeah. knows our, our stance on it. Yeah. Let, let's, let's transition then to uh, Brexit. Uh, Cause that's another thing that's, that's big on the minds of everyone. So I I'm, would love to hear one. So, the FA released regulations of what these new Brexit 
uh, I guess, rules will be. And it's, it, will, it will change how clubs operate in England. So, Elijah, if you don't mind uh, reading a little bit of that and we can break it down and uh, tell everybody what's going on with, with the new Brexit regulations in regards to the Premier League and England as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy with coronavirus. I Like, you almost forgot that Brexit happened. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I, think but yeah next month, uh, I think next month is, is the start. Like, it's... Yeah, it's so... And this was something that was brought up months ago, I guess, really at this point, almost a year ago when everything kind of started to go is like, how would this affect British football? And now we know um, essentially um, what's going to happen is something called the governing bottle, sorry, governing body endorsement, um, which is going to be the framework for like how all EU players are assessed. And this is like EU and I guess anyone abroad as well. I mean, the, the idea doesn't really change much when you sign a player from South America to the Premier League because, like, they have to pass the EU checks in, in the past. And so it's the same thing. But the GBE is essentially a points-based system uh, for any player outside of the UK. Uh, and for and like Greg said, like, this, this will have implications. Now, on the Premier League and for Newcastle, probably not because when you get to the Premier League, there's a certain level of player, especially if you're getting a player from a different league, there's a certain level of uh of of like I wouldn't say maybe clout is the right word that that you have to have in order to like pull the trigger on some of these players because you know like you're not spending a hundred mil on 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 a player that's like French if they're not if they don't have the 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 resume to back it up uh, yeah, and yeah. that's what happens with Premier League clubs like they sign wonder kids but they're pretty damn good like Jane Sancho is pretty damn good Erlen Holland pretty damn good like if Jane Sancho won't be an issue but Holland maybe um so essentially the GBE you'll you'll get points based on senior youth international appearances the quality of the selling club based on league they're in league position and progression in continental competition club appearances based on domestic league and continental competition minutes so essentially um if you are Newcastle and you want to buy a player and and let's say we want to buy a player from Bordeaux in France and the player is 22 years old, French born. The first thing the GBE will look at is, all right, well, what is this player's international status? Now there's not any 22 year old players playing for Bordeaux on the French national team right now. So essentially they'd say, all right, well, this player seems to be a mainstay in the youth, uh, the youth, the youth system in France. They play a lot for Bordeaux. They're out and out starter. Um, and Bordeaux, let's say they're 10th in league. Uh, Sure, that player is good enough and better than a lot of the English options that would be available at the same age. That's how GBE would work. And again, it's not going to make a difference to the Prem. It will make a difference championship and below. Um, You'll probably see a lot more players uh, in those leagues that are pretty much all British or all in the UK, which again, kind of already happened. So it's not that huge of a surprise. Uh, And then um, the other big things uh, happened in the women's game as well, same sort of thing. But again, not going to be a big deal for women's teams in in the UK because they're pretty much buying the best players in the world to bring them into the the FA's Women's League. Uh, But what is interesting is uh, some of the restrictions for youth teams, which does have an impact on Premier League teams, especially with how a lot of academies are set up. 
Chelsea. Right, so this is really what we're Listen. talking about. Yeah, <laughs> Chelsea, Man City, like we're looking at you. Yeah. Um, in the Premier League, the number of overseas U21 players a club can sign will be limited to three in the January transfer window and six per season moving forward. So a max every uh, every season for U21 players, it's going to be six forward players being signed that season. Again, not a huge deal for clubs like Burnley or Southampton maybe, but for clubs like Man City and Chelsea, this is a big deal. And for yeah. Man United, it's, it's a big deal. Um, and maybe for Newcastle, because Newcastle likes to – Signed players who are out of contract at other uh, clubs uh, around the world. Um, and then uh, this new, uh, and this is this is the big thing that everyone's talking about. The new rule um, is that because of the Brexit, because of Brexit, and because of all the implications regarding FIFA and how they operate in a U18 system, um, and especially in the EU, no U18 player can be signed. Uh, for that, that's not British uh, for any Premier League or any Championship or League One club. So that is going to be interesting little wrinkle in the plans. Again, I don't know if it's that big of a deal right now, um, but it, it'll be interesting to see. So I guess that was a long-winded kind of explanation. But Greg, what are your thoughts on uh, on how this kind of can affect specifically Newcastle's youth system? Like, I don't think it's going to be a big deal as it regards to first team players. Because Newcastle, if you look at the first team players they've bought that are not British, Fabian Shear, mainstay in the Swiss national team, was playing in the, one of the best teams in Switzerland. Emil Kraft, same thing in Sweden. Like it's Alan St. Maxman playing at Nice, who was like a top 10 club in league. Uh, like it, it's not going to be an issue for the first team players. But yeah, for Newcastle specifically, it might be an issue in the youth system. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't think a lot of the changes will happen in the premier league specifically, like you won't see as many of an impact with premier league first team at all. Like, I think everything will still be the same. Maybe, maybe you'll see a lot more premier league transfers between clubs in the league, but I I even wouldn't say that that is even going to be much different because like you said, like even Newcastle still would still have signed all these players. Um, And even Rodrigo Vilca would have happened. Uh, yeah. under, under these new guidelines. So the, but the one thing that's definitely apparent is Newcastle will fall behind if they don't massively start investing in their academy, because what this rule does is if you're a fan of the England national team, men's and women's, and this is a huge advantage to you because not only is there, uh, there's restrictions on how many players you can sign outside of England um, under the age of uh, or U21, U21. Um, and then there's also like, there's, you can't sign players under the age of 18. Um, and uh, so there's this opportunity for like, op- for players in England to actually get, and Scotland to get like playing time essentially. So there's been a lot of criticism in England of, of the clubs don't really value the like national youth players from England they would rather take over overpay not like international talent to come in and take that spot and I think you're going to see a lot less of that happen especially in academies but if you think of like down the line like for championship clubs league one league two it's mainly going to be English players uh, because they won't be able to sign uh the the players that we're looking for aren't they, they wouldn't have enough points I'd say in quotes to get that. So it's mainly going to affect other clubs, but Newcastle will fall behind mostly in the Academy because 
pretty much every Premier League club has invested in their academy, except for them, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna have better talent coming through. And let's be honest, you know, Newcastle's academy has not been good for years, in in compare in relatively for um, compared to other clubs. I mean, we're really only better than Sunderland. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's where we're at. So yeah, we have to invest in that area if we want to get better there. But Mike Ashley's proven that you just you don't really need to to stay in the Premier League. However, I don't think you realize how much of a benefit it could be to keep getting better. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do you got anything else on that? No. Um, let's keep it moving. All right. Well, we're going to take one more quick break. And then uh, we'll do on the other side, we'll do some BS meter, some odds and ends. And that will be it for this one. So we will be right back right after this. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, Elijah, it's time. BS meter. We got some, we're linked to some players and in a month, it may be under Brexit regulations, but all these players will probably be okay. We'll, we'll be able to sign them. Um, yeah. So let's get to it. Let's see what's going on. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, uh, right before, like, I mean, it was a very dire pre-match environment on Newcastle Twitter for uh, the Crystal Palace matchup with the Allen St. Maximin news of him potentially – uh, having some, I, we didn't even talk about that, but yeah. I guess it, it doesn't even feel like real news anymore, just given how much has happened since then. But essentially, before that match, everyone would thought Alan St. Maximin had gotten into an argument with Steve Bruce, uh, and the club was saying it was a thigh injury. I personally was like, it's probably a thigh injury because Alan St. Maximin, I don't want to say he's injury prone. But, like, I, you don't get shocked when you see that he has an injury, especially in his leg. Uh, so, but again, uh, moods were but down. Also, and then you don't necessarily get shocked if you hear he has a problem on the training ground with Steve Bruce. Yeah, yeah, that, that's <laughs> the same, to yeah, the same he, effect. He's, he's known for both things: yeah. being a uh, uh, an issue on in the training in the training ground and being injured. So uh, that'll be something. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, this this news broke out right before the match, and it was just like a summation of Newcastle in general. Nabil Bentaleb apparently is going to be very available uh, in January, and Newcastle are, are certainly interested. Not that surprised Newcastle would be interested in this um, because, again, Steve Bruce, we talked about this on the recap pod of Crystal Palace. He just believes that if you get enough quality players that's better than the other team, like you eight times out of ten, you'll probably win. And Nabil Bentaleb played for Tottenham. So Steve Bruce just and assumes the Bill – yeah, well, that, no, that's not important for Premier League. Oh, the Bill, yeah. the, he, Steve Bruce <laughs> only sees the Bill Bentzlep as that Tottenham player that was really good for that yeah. one season at Tottenham, uh, and Got that's it. it. Um, but, yeah, so he's apparently going to be super available, uh, and not surprisingly. I mean, he's been pretty much suspended from Schalke at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been asked to train by himself. Uh, he has not made a, a first team appearance this season. He's just not really like he, he's definitely out of favor there, which is again not surprising. When he came 
to Newcastle. He was not in, in good cahoots with Schalke and their manager. So uh, I think it's Favre, right, who's still there. Like, just not not a great situation. And of course, he went back to that same situation. It wasn't great. So, again, BS meter on this. Apparently, like, super cheap. We're talking less than three billion pounds. Yeah, I so I have two answers. One, the BS meter is extremely low. This is 100% likely of happening. And my other answer is I do not want this to happen. Okay. <laughs> but I think that's why it's very high is because I could – I your reasoning for Steve Bruce being like, oh, yeah, he played at Tottenham, so he's pretty good. Uh, I, I just believe that. <laughs> like that is believable. There's no BS in that part of the story. No, it- so and I'm, I'm, I'm being complete. This is, yeah. I'm not, I'm not like paraphrasing Steve Bruce. Literally when he talked about in the bill Benz lab, like when they signed him on loan, his first words were like the lad was at Tottenham. So, you know, he knows what it's like to be in the premier league. Like it's that's, <laughs> that's how he view. He ignores everything he's done at Schalke, like yeah. everything. And it's just like, Oh, didn't he play at Tottenham like five years ago? And everyone's like, Oh yeah, he did. But like they sold him. And see, Bruce is like, yeah, but he was at Tottenham, remember? And they're like, sure. He's like, all right, get this guy in the team. He was at Tottenham. I think. Oh, excuse me. I think a um, like a championship club would be best with him, or like, I don't think a a lower tier German side could really. I think like a like Augsburg. <laughs> I'll say this for him. Like, he, he just needs I, to drop down a few pegs, I think. I, I don't I, I'm gonna say this because I personally like I as someone who I've put myself through the pain of wa- watching Schalke, we're talking about literally a season and a half ago, Nabil Benzleb was one of the best players, not only in Schalke, but in the Bundesliga. And I I still strongly believe that like there's still because I mean this again. This is literally a season and a half ago. There's still that same level of quality of player in there somewhere. The issue is that Steve Bruce is never going to bring that side of the Bill Bates lab out. Like maybe a Pochettino, maybe like a, you know, like a Claudio. Like there, there's other managers that could a Rafa Benitez that know how to use the Bill Bates lab. Not only know how to use them correctly because I think Steve Bruce has already messed that up, but also can motivate him to get back to his former self, because obviously there is a little bit of an attitude issue there. And I didn't want to say it because I also like, that's a whole nother story about how the British media covers African players in general and says that a lot of them have attitude issues, but that's a whole nother issue altogether. Um, So I give any player that's essentially African or of African descent, the benefit of doubt when I see British media or German media saying that they have an attitude problem, but like the Bill Bitzelab like might actually have an attitude problem. And there takes a certain type of manager to address that. And I don't know if Steve Bruce is that guy. I don't think that if he's at Newcastle under Steve Bruce, if that's ever going to change, if he's ever going to be better than what we have now. And like it is a legitimate question, Greg. Would you rather have Jeff Hendrick or Nabil Bitzelab? I was I was just about to ask that. I did a that poll. was my next follow Actually, I'm while you think about it, I'm gonna actually go to the coming home Union FC Twitter, because I did do a poll asking this, and I, I don't remember what people said. So okay. I would love to hear your thoughts. I uh, – <laughs> man, that's so tough. I, I honestly think they're just – they're essentially the same. I don't know, dude. I feel like 
here's the thing. Nabil Bentaleb wanted to go forward. He just lost the ball a lot, <laughs> which is like what Newcastle already does. But Jeff Hendrick like passes the ball backwards and also loses the ball a lot. So it's like, I personally would rather have Bentaleb, but again, I I'm very open here. I'm very biased. I liked watching him at Schalke two seasons ago. So yeah. like, I'm, I still want that version of the Bill Bentaleb. The one I liked that watching Hendrick only in the first game of the season. <laughs> fair. That's that. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, All right. Wait. One sec. I'm oh gonna, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I forgot. This is at the beginning of the match. Jeez. All and right. And also Hendrick. Okay. Go ahead. Hendrick is the winner with fifty-eight percent of the vote, which seems a bit high. I feel like it would have been a little bit closer. But again, like the, the Bill Bitzlep had like one half of a good game at Newcastle, and Hendrick yeah. did have one really good debut, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, who do we have next? All right, uh, I added this one in because it is a little bit relevant um, as to mm. Newcastle um, and particularly the midfield. Maddie Longstaff has been linked with a loan move to Derby County. Um, so that's something that's makes sense, I would imagine. Uh, Obviously yeah. not playing right now for the first team. I wouldn't say he's not – I don't know if I would say not good enough is the word, but definitely it's still a bit raw to really be considered with a fully healthy midfield. Um, and, again, like say what you want about Jeff Hendrick. Jeff Hendrick still maybe is a bit more composed in Premier League match setting than Matty Longstaff in the eyes of Steve Bruce. But I think this is a move that makes sense for both for everyone involved. Um, Darby's trying to make a push to the Premier League. Matty Longstaff clearly is... Darby is not enough. making a push to the Premier League right now. I'm talking about in the next couple seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, Darby, I think hopefully... This gonna a, I think hopefully. this is going to be a year-long loan starting in January, if that makes sense. And oh, then they could probably ex- extend... Like it, but I think it's going to be like a season and a half, if that makes sense. Especially with the influx of money they have coming in. Like I, that That's just me playing big brain here. And but the, I just and the link like to sense. Newcastle previously. <laughs> Of course, the, yeah. the the Ben Zayed group actually was interested in buying Newcastle because of Maddie Long. Yes, uh, but no. But on a serious note, I do think this makes sense for everyone involved. Like you said, Derby County obviously not there yet in terms of Premier League contention, but would well, no, take any. They are literally in last place in the championship, so they. Oh well, that's not that's not they, great at all. They are not not even close. Uh, they are. They 24th. need all the help they can get. So, uh, yeah, they need a lot of help. So I. I mean, it would be a good spell for Matty because I think he would do well in the championship right now. Um, I'd be surprised if he didn't. But uh, so, yeah, I think it would be good. I think he does need a loan. So I'd be okay with that. Even and like to to play on a side that's not doing well and he would have to like kind of bring it all in, being in the midfield position and make something happen out of it. So I, I think it would be a really good challenge for him, actually. So I, I would like to see that happen. I do think this is a perfect spot for him because, like you said, I think Matty Longstaff has had two extremes in terms of his his current professional career. He's had to play at the U23s where a level where he's clearly good enough and exceeded expectations in, in a way, like could do whatever he kind of wanted at, at times. But then kind of thrust into a Premier League role where I think he struggled when he had to have a defined role. And there was a bit of expectation for him where it's like, hey, we need you to defend and provide offense. I think that that's something he struggled with. And I think similar to Sean Longstaff, where it's like 
he definitely needs some time to figure out what is his best role in the midfield. Like, what is his role as a midfielder? What type of midfielder is he even going to be? Because right now, I could not even tell you, like, what kind of mid- – is Matty Longstaff a box-to-box type? He's a defensive midfielder. Is he an attacking mid- – I couldn't tell you because, like, when he's been asked to play for Newcastle, it's been in less than ideal circumstances where, like, he, I don't know what our midfielders are supposed to be doing. And then – other than that, he's been playing at the U23s where it's like, if you're too good for the U23s, you can pretty do pretty much do whatever the hell you want in the midfield. So, yeah. like, I think it's good because it'll kind of force him to be like, all right, well, am I going to be a true number eight or am I going to be like a number six or am I a 10? Like, what's my role as a midfielder? And then allow him to work on that, on that specific kind of role as a midfielder and improve in that area, which I think is, I think is perfect for him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Jetro Willems has been a player that's on the the minds of many Newcastle fans uh, just throughout this whole season. People missed him, uh, especially with Paul Dummett, again, being injured. Left back cover is a necessity with Javi Mankiw kind of being back into put, being pushed back into the fold as a starting right back um, and Jacob Murphy being moved back into the winger role. Um, again, uh, Frankfurt, it's reported Frankfurt is expecting Newcastle to – make a bid for Jetcher Willem for a permanent move, preferably something pretty small. Um, does this make sense to you, Greg? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it makes sense. And and he's uh, I, good friends with Georgino Wijnaldum, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, my he's only kind of a cult hero, too. Yeah, my only reserve here is just, is this a move Steve Bruce wants to make? Or is Steve Bruce... And we'll get into this later. Steve Bruce still very like unbeknownst to him, biased towards British players. Um, so and again, it's that's kind of a teaser for a, a different player in the BS meter. Moving on, uh, Ahmed Musa. This is a weird one um, for a lot of reasons. Um, Ahmed Musa is at CSK Moscow. Well, actually, he was at CSK Moscow. He's now uh, in Saudi Arabia, and his contract, I believe, is like it's either expired or like he's been bought out. So essentially he's like about to be a free agent in January. Like he could pretty much sign wherever he wants. He wants to return to Europe. Um, apparently uh, Newcastle are interested. They've been linked to him. Um, and it, it's been linked that he was offered to Newcastle. Um, and he's a Nigerian striker uh, forward a little bit on the older side. Excuse me. Does this make sense for Newcastle? Is this something that? I yeah, it's probably again really low BS on that one. But a player that like it would make absolutely no sense to me to sign. Like, look, look if if I mean, I don't know a ton about the Saudi Arabian league, but if teams in that league are like, yeah, we're just we just don't want you here anymore. It's he's probably not going to play much. At Newcastle. So yes, I think Newcastle is really serious about signing. Yeah. yeah, it was very odd. Uh he joined uh two years ago in 2018, and then just like at the beginning of this season in October, they were just like he's leaving, uh, and they his contract was bought out. And I don't like I'm looking at his stats. It wasn't like he was well, he had nine goals and fifty appearances. So yeah, not great. But he yeah. was playing at Winger as well in Saudi Arabia. So I don't know what you want to think about that, but his best – he had a great season at Siska Moscow, uh, 40, 42 goals in the 125 appearances, and Leicester City bottom. 
And I remember when they bought him, he just wasn't great. He had two goals in 21 Premier League matches, and they loaned it back out to Siska Moscow. And uh, he had six goals and 10 appearances and then went to Al-Nassar. So, again, like, doesn't make a lot of sense, but definitely a player that if he's available for free and hasn't played well, Newcastle probably going to sign him. Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. And then moving on to the last player, Brandon Williams, Man United uh, young player, probably. Oh, wait, real young- quick question. Okay. Does Ahmed Musa qualify to be a new signing under the Brexit rules? Um, yes. Because of no, international, do you think? Yeah, he's ninety-five appearances with Nigeria. Yeah. Okay. He's a, yeah. He's he would he would qualify for that reason alone. Just curious. Um, yeah, I would Let's imagine. I, I I'm I'm actually I would like to see what they what in terms yeah, of like international. Of I would love situation. to see that. Yeah, yeah, because the club situation, like I, I'd imagine, yeah, the, I, I wonder if it's like if a player, because they, because that's the thing, they do both youth and full. So like, if he do both youth and like first team appearances for international, he's got over a hundred appearances. So like, yeah. he's clearly qualified. But it's like I, I would be curious to see if it's like a twenty-two year old. Like I would say, Maximin would be an interesting one because Nice when they bought him, like I don't know if they were top ten, but he also just didn't have any. Like not many uh, first team like international appearances with France, but yeah, a lot of youth. Yeah, yeah, a lot of youth. So yeah, I don't know. I'd like to hear more about like, but we'll never hear that honestly. Um, but okay, uh, last BS meter because people are probably tired of hearing uh, me ramble. Uh, Brandon Williams, Manchester United, uh, probably one of their best defenders in their youth system, linked to Southampton for a loan as well, but it would be a loan move for Newcastle, can play both right back and left back, has one Premier League appearance this season, a couple cup appearances, uh, 21 years old, was promised at the beginning of the season that he would be kind of a part of the first team plans. That had really come to fruition, um, probably because Man United's not, great right now and they don't really have the ability to like take a risk on a young player um but yeah i feel like this is low bs because again position of need and this is why i said the jetra williams move is kind of in danger because the position of need um it's a loan move the guy's on a youth team contract so it's not going to cost a lot of money for newcastle covers wages um and plays left back and right back and again newcastle definitely need cover there Jetro Wolves would be the perfect signing for that, but this guy's British and he's cheaper. I don't know. Yeah, it, it really depends what they want to do with their loans because there was the links to Tamori earlier, and I don't think they would loan in two defenders as their two loan signings. Yeah, and don't forget Harry Winks as well was the other English yeah. loan that we've been linked to, which yeah. also makes sense if Maddie, especially if Maddie Longstaff is leaving. Yeah, so I I don't know about this one. I I think it would be a good move for the player. I just, I honestly, yeah, I I even find it hard to believe that we'll get either Maury or Brandon. So I, I find it easier to believe we'll get Brandon Williams because only Southampton is interested in him. And um, if you're looking at it from a player perspective, how much is he going to play at Southampton? They've got a very solid back line, blah, blah, blah. Like, he literally is the sole backup at the left-back spot at Newcastle and, like, would definitely get some appearances, et cetera, et cetera. 
Tamori, I think, is a little bit less likely. And we talked about him last week on the BS mm-hmm. meter just because he he like started a lot of games for Chelsea last season and played decently well. So like I think he's gonna be very much in demand. I and mm-hmm. I don't see him really like choosing Newcastle over the plethora of teams that'll be interested. Yeah, exactly. You got any others? No, that's it for BS meters. All righty. Yeah, uh, that was not a lot of BS in that one, so that was good. Uh, so just going to, to odds and ends, uh, Joe White returned, says the Chronicle. Uh, the funny part about that is he's been returned. Uh, so the Chronicle, and I'm, uh, Elijah actually brought this to my attention, saying that you know the Chronicle wrote this article about Joe White, Joe White returned from injury, but uh, he just played over this past weekend's U23s match. Uh, they lost to Wolves 3-0. But uh, he also played the weekend before for the U18s and scored. So, like, he's he's been back for now, like, a little over, like, 10 days at least. Uh, and he's I'm sure he was training well before he played for the U18s. So, yeah. So it's just, they're just late, I guess. So that to oh, I, I, I think the funny fun of the chronicle. <laughs> the the funniest thing about this is is that the chronicle even admit that they're late in the article by saying Joe White announced last week on his Instagram, glad <laughs> yeah. to be back. And it's just like, why are you writing this now? Like, just be like, hey, but like, I wouldn't even write the story if I were them. I would have just been like, like, because at the end of the day, like. There's there's a very small percentage of people that are following Joe White's injury yeah. history, so yeah. like they could have gone away without mentioning it altogether. Yeah. Totally. And uh, the next odds and end is the FA Cup. So we drew Arsenal, <laughs> um, and if you don't remember, they won the FA Cup. So they current they are c- the current defending champs. Um, yeah, and it's an away match, of course. So. Not a good start to our um, our FA Cup draws. However, silver lining, we are ahead of them in the table in the Premier League. And so. they'll have fans at this, I believe, because they're in London. Tier so. two, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no uh, – just as a reminder, and this will be held on January 9th, by the way, but there is no FA Cup replays this year. So it would oh, be – extra time and then penalty shootout if it gets to that. So, and I think they should just keep it that way just to avoid people playing insane amount of matches. Uh, yeah. But what's your thoughts on this? Also the, I, I saw this stat on NUFC.com. It was um, Arsenal versus Newcastle in FA cup history. The last time we've beaten them, was in 1951, or sorry, 1952. Um, we played them in 1997. Uh, we played them twice in 2002. Uh, we drew them and then lost 3-0. And then, we again, we played them in 2008 in the FA Cup. We lost 3-0. Uh, okay. Uh, it doesn't matter because we've got Brentford in the EFL Cup. So, I mean, like, we're that's what we're gunning for this year, EFL Cup. I mean, I'm sure we're going to lose to Arsenal because, like, I don't know. I'm imagining after that congested fixture list in December, this is a decent opportunity to rotate, especially given the fact that shortly thereafter we could have 
uh, a couple midweek matches, given the fact that, of course, we have to reschedule the Aston Villa match. So I would imagine it's not a big deal because I think we're going to lose. And I also see Steve Bruce saying the EFL Cup is definitely much more within our grasp than the FA Cup. I mean, we've got Brentford in the quarterfinal. Like, there's an opportunity to actually go out and win this thing. So I don't really care yeah. about that. Yeah, and just more scheduling kerfuffleness, for lack of a better word. Uh, we're actually – so this would make it – we have two straight weekends at Arsenal, and we'd also play uh, away to Sheffield United between those two visits. So we'd be at Arsenal, at Sheffield, at Arsenal in 10 days. And I actually think Arsenal might be in the EFL Cup still. So there's also a possibility that we could then play Arsenal again in January. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That would be crazy. Uh, next thing. Oh, U23s, U18s, uh, they're, they're losing. So. Of course. Well, actually, the U18s haven't played since our last update. But uh, so they won their last match at least. But they that was their first win of the season. So. Uh, it's not going well. There's They haven't played since we last – oh, no, they did. They did. Sorry. Um, the U23s played. They got smoked by Manchester United. Uh, they were oh. shut out. Um, there's Oh, and then they do have just uh, a little U23s update. Remember that guy, that kid that we brought in on trial, Sedwin Scott? He had, like, the yeah, same yeah. goal-scoring record. Uh, we are not we, – we released him. So he's yeah. not going to get signed. Uh, that happened as well. So he was he was with Newcastle for four weeks, though. It's a tough uh, decision to let him go, I guess. Yeah. But um, – oh, see, I got it all mixed up. I just fact-checked. The U23s haven't played since their loss to Wolves, and the U18s just got smoked by Man United. There you go. So that happened. All right. Um, do you have anything else? Any last no. updates? I'm sure people are tired of hearing my voice at this point. So <laughs> I'll just Never. say good night, everyone, or good morning or good afternoon. Whatever time you're listening to this, good of that. Yeah. And if you uh, are happen to be listening to us on Spotify and we do show up in your 2020 wrapped, uh, Send us a message. We'll retweet you and all that fun stuff too. That's always fun to see. Of course. Uh, that y'all are listening to us on Spotify specifically. Because if you listen yeah. to us on any other platform, we won't know. <laughs> exactly. So, well, if you leave a review on Apple. Oh, so. yes. Yes. And leave a five-star review on Apple. That would be a good way. <laughs> Show love uh, at the end of this awful year of 2020. So, um, all right. Well, that's going to do it then, Elijah. Uh, no match this weekend. So you will see us around this time next week right yeah uh so we will uh you'll, you'll hear us in a week and but follow us on twitter that's going to conclude this episode episode 157 of chn radio i'm your host greg Tronsel. that's the best damn coast in the land elijah newsome and this is the best song in the world coming home newcastle and we'll see you next week love you guys Walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll pray the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher turned in the rain I'm coming home
to be a Jodie and to live in Jodie land. Some people think we're 40 and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing Henny Hawaii I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I may as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again. I'll brave the darkest in James's Park, if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing Henny Howie. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I may as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dog. It's in James's pocket, the Gallagher.